Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who also cut his mullet this offseason, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Um, you know, I, there was a point. Um, hairlines change with time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a point that I had significantly more hair all over the top. Um, and I think it was actually when I went to UT. My hair gets really curly when it grows out. And again, this was in the days when it grew out. I will say there was someone who pointed out to me the summer before college that it was like touching shoulder a little bit, One of the, some of the curls. Like there was there was volume to it. Um, it was as close as I've ever had to, to a mullet. So I did cut uh, for the University of Texas. I did also... Uh, shear my mullet um, in both. I think when yours and and I are on a reverse Samson trajectory because of it. I think you both leveled up your game for sure. I could definitely say that, or at least that's what the reporters are telling us. So uh, as we talked about, as we teased, as you say in the business on Tuesday, it's time for us to start our positional previews this off season. And we start as we always start with the quarterback, Quinnifilius Ewers, the man, the myth, the legend himself, hoping to cash in on some of the cachet he's built up. So last year, the highs were high and the lows were low for Quinn Ewers. Uh, 58% completion for 2,100 yards, 15 touchdowns, six interceptions, admittedly lit up Alabama in less than a quarter of work, looked like to be the giant killer that we thought he was going to be, then took a hit that wasn't necessarily dirty, but wasn't necessarily clean either. Um, came back, had some bad footwork, ended up really being more of a game manager as the year went on and kind of let Bijan uh, and Roshan take over carrying the offense. So, like, looking back last year, Kyle, what is your what was your impression, your final thoughts as we turn the books from 2022 to 2023 officially? Like, what is your, like, last word on last season? I mean, I, I like what I heard you starting to say there, right? Let be Jean be Jean. Um, the, you know, when you have a, a generational talent, the largest complaint from, you know, our very um, normal and uh, thoughtful and considerate and well-proportioned responders um, in the Texas fan base was, you know, early in his career was he didn't get the ball enough. Dang it. Fire the coach. Everything's terrible. Bijan needs the ball more. Right. And, and it really worked out towards the end of the season that there probably were times that you could have fed him more, but there were a lot of games. Think the TCU game um, where he had, you know, 200 and some 250 yards I think um where you just feed him you feed him and you knew that the offense was there to just give it to him and let him go he had that talent resiliency and you you could bank on him I guess that was his junior year the TCU game but um there were multiple times when when that was the offense we don't have the luxury this year and we'll talk about the running back position but we don't have the luxury that this can't be um a pass led offense, right? This is a year where Ewers has to come in and sling the rock around. The, the wide receiver group, which we'll preview coming up, is so talented and so loaded. You just have to get the ball to them. It doesn't have to be deep balls 40 yards down the field. Just get it in their hands. And I think you're going to see Quinn Ewers 
take a lot of step up, steps up, right? I do think that um, development, right? We, we know the kid has the arm talent. Anytime a, a you know, a, a off-season video of him flicking the wrist 70 yards uh, goes viral or, or, you know, one of his spring game throws that just seem impossible, you know, we, you know he has the arm talent. So it's on the receivers to get open, which I think they're going to do. It's on him to put it there. Um, but I don't think the best play for either Xavier Worthy or Quinn Ewers last year was go and I'll throw it deep. That works sometimes. It didn't work a lot of times. I think the genius of Sark is is scheming and getting matchups. And so I think with this many weapons, what you will see in this offense is Ewers throwing a lot of nine-yard passes, a lot of 13-yard passes, a lot of 16-yard passes with various, you know, layers across the middle with someone getting open, right? If the offense works the way it should work and you have the ability that Quinn Ewers has, which is to throw off-platform, moving in the pocket from any arm slot, any arm angle, um, you know, you can pick defenses apart apart by scheme and by getting it there. What I want to see from this next year is when Quinn sets his feet behind this much, you know, improved and just an offensive line getting older, getting better. Um, Quinn, you were setting his feet, putting it on time, on the money, on routes, you know, beyond just a deep ball, hitting the post, hitting uh, crossing routes that are that are layered two and three over. And when the player does come open, that he sees it, reads it, reacts, and throws it. And, and, and Sark's offense is notoriously difficult. He's coming in now with more time under his belt. Um, it seems, you know, he's, he's, his body shape from all accounts is looking great. He's putting the work in. If you want to read into a haircut, meaning he's more professional, I don't care. Um, but regardless of what hairstyle he's rocking, this is the year to see him sit back and turn promise into production. Yeah, I think when we look back at last year, I feel like the word that the pays was almost, I think was what a lot of it was. You know, Quinn almost had some game-breaking throws. Quinn almost had some really incredible performances. Quinn almost beat Alabama, right? There's a lot of that. Um, Quinn almost connected with Xavier Worthy on all of those um you know, go routes that, again, he shouldn't have been running, and that's another conversation for two weeks from now. But we saw the the ceiling, I think, of, against Alabama, and Texas was admittedly really high up for that game. The offensive line's going to be better. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. The running the running game is probably going to be worse. Let's just be honest. It's hard sure. to, to maintain from Bijan. I don't think anybody expects that from Jonathan Brooks uh, and company. But I think this is the year that Quinn kind of has to – you know, prove that he's the dude, right? He was, it was a hotly contested recruitment that Texas Tech fans were going to tell you that wasn't that, uh, that they weren't that big on anyways, in spite <laughs> of all of the Twitter receipts we all have. So I think this is the year that Quinn really has to take the, the turn and take the team. And, you know, really for Sark's plan to come together, as far as the quarterback room goes, Quinn needs to do it as well. So I'm going to ask kind of a scary question for you as we um, talk about it. But let's, let's start here. Um, when when I say the phrase Quinn Ewers had the season that Texas needed, mm. what does that mean for you? What Texas needed means that he did the things that were necessary for Texas to get to where it wants to be, which is at least a Big Twelve championship appearance, right? That's we're not gonna mince words. I know it's very dangerous the past decade as a fan base who's who's been hurt, who's been burnt, who's had a lot of these off season previews where everything seems great and the talent's there and we know it's gonna be us, but I mean, this is the last year in the Big 12. The, the conference doesn't necessarily have a bunch of juggernauts standing in the way for at least making an appearance in the Big 12 title game. And so the expectation is there. And Quinn Ewers had the year he needed to me means 
he didn't make the mistakes, right? He's the gunslinger, um, but let's limit it, right? Like the the more that we keep the ball in our offense's hands, the, the better that it works. Um, so let's limit the turnovers and mistakes. Take your shots where you need them, but also take your checkdowns. Use, you know, we'll talk about that receiver room. We'll, we'll talk about, you know, w- what this could look like for, for Jatavian Sanders and the tight end group. Um, you know, use your backs out of the backfield, that tremendous group of athletes that, that's assembled there. Um, take what the defense gives you. Make the reads. Don't miss them. You know when when you know Bijan gets wide open on a wheel route that would have changed uh, a game when a, when a player falls down and he doesn't see him. Right. Those those types of things um, that can add an extra win or loss on your season. And, and at times last year they did. Right. Stay healthy. Don't take hits. Take the Tom Brady um, rule of of school of thought. Uh, it's it's better to get it out of your hands than to take a lot of hits and, and stay healthy. Keep the jersey clean. Um, you know the line will have a big part to play in that. But if those things happen, right, if he stays healthy, if he limits the mistakes, it almost seems impossible in this offense with Steve Sarkeesian, with, you know, the, the, the offensive minds they have, with the weapons they have, with his natural talent, that just doing those other things, that it's crazy that he can't have, you know, a top 10 season in Texas history just by walking out there and doing what we know he can do. I'm not going to say he has to do that, but I think doing not doing those other things and setting the team up for success and being the leader, right? This They're going to rely on the quarterback in this offense where they had Roshan and they had Bijan to to lead the, the team from the running back room uh, as the emotional leader, as the guy who got the yards when you needed them. Quinn, you step up and be that consistent presence and, and that dependable entity. When I think about that question and kind of what, Texas needs from Quinn Ewers, right? The year looks like for me, Quinn trusting the system. I think mm. a lot of times last year, uh, Quinn trusted himself too much, and I think that's why his footwork got lazy. I think that's why uh, some of those deep routes went to the deep route when there's probably another guy underneath him that you could have completed a pass for. And so I think, you know, this is, and, and I keep, I've banged this drum before, but this is a system that got Mac Jones to New York for a Heisman trophy ceremony and got um, Alabama to a national championship and got Mac Jones drafted in the first round because he ran the system, right? And so if Quinn Ewers can run the system with the wide receiver tools that Texas has brought in and has in the chamber, like, that's the year that Texas needs from Like, we, we'll have questions about Sark's ability to kind of to, to adjust at halftime. We'll, we'll have that conversation later. Um, but, like, Overall, when it's all said and done, Sark has proven that if he has the Ferraris in the garage, he can put Mm. together an offense and put together a scheme to win football games. And so, you know, there is something to be said about Quinn Ewers having the cannon arm and being the gunslinger. But Mac Jones and and, um, Devontae Smith made a bunch of money by completing crossing routes and by, you know, converting on the RPO slants. And so, like, for me... Quinn Ewers has the season that Texas needs him to do when he takes the throws that are there and trusts the system, right? That, to me, is like when we look back at the end of the year, he's not forcing a deep ball that's not there. He's not throwing a route that he probably knows he shouldn't with the wind. Oklahoma State, cough, cough, right? Like, he's trusting the system. He's taking the stuff that's there um, and capitalizing on the ridiculous talent that's in the wide receiver room. Yeah, and, and we're not asking for Ewers to transform into Mac Jones, right? Transforming no. to Carson Palmer or Matt Leinart or, you know, heck, Mark Sanchez, right, for a start. I think he'd be better than Sanchez even. But um, is it is it Tua? No, it's going to be different. Is it Mac Jones? No, it's going to be different. But if you have the, um, the the weapons like we think they're going to have to catch the the passes, then I think 
it does have to change a little bit of mentality. And I think you, you, you absolutely nailed it, Gerald. It, it is trust the system a little bit. It is get that completion percentage way up above 60. Get it closer to 68, 69. Now, I have uh, someone who tells me that if your your win rate is too high, if your completion percentage is too high, you're not taking enough risks. Um, so I understand that as well. Let's not make it 85 <laughs> or make it 85. We'll see how that works. But, um, you know, you need some shots in there because you have both the athletes and the talent. But get that, you know, 10-point jump in that, that completion percentage. Get that up to 68. Get the fundamentals down, right? I said that one of his gifts is he can throw from any arm slot and off-platform and all kinds of things. Sure, yeah, but don't don't rely on that. Don't throw an interception because if you're off your back foot while throwing the ball away when you can sling it 70 yards if you really just tried. Um, clean up that fundamental stuff. Like, really uh, show up and do that. Do the Mac Jones for a little bit. Do the basics. Do the little things. And then, if he could do that this year... Uh, or at least for the first six games of this year, and he starts really feeling it, think about Mac Jones with an extra 20 yards on his deep ball. Think about, you know, the zip that Mac Jones will never have that Quinn Ewers can put on, you know, a guy coming across the post at, at, at 23 yards, right? That There's just a different level with that arm talent. It doesn't guarantee that he's a generational quarterback, but it sets him up. So can he do the Mac Jones to get to the Quinn Ewers that was promised, the Quince? That was promised, and I, I think that's that's exactly putting a putting a bullet on it. So the the last question I'll ask about Quinn is like, you know, he's not going to have Bijan to lean on, not going to have Roshan to lean on. So like, mm. do you think he gets it done? Like, do you think he's the guy that Texas needs or can? Like, do you think he gets it done? Like, under your head, what do you say? Yes, um, I do. I do genuinely believe it. I, I do genuinely believe in the plan. Right there, there's this ideal plan that. Ewers does so good this year, has such a breakout. He's in the Heisman conversation. Um, Texas is, is, you know, in that level of wins that you need to be in a Heisman conversation. And with the quarterback pool this year in the NFL, which isn't the strongest in the world where the NFL really values true talent um, as much as production, um, that he can go in and at worst be the, the third or fourth quarterback in next year's draft, and he can take it there and set up all the machinations that uh, writers were at least a year too early about quarterback controversies. We'll see what happens next year. Um, but, right, if, if he has that year, do I think he can do it? Yes. Do I think he will do it? Sure. I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid, and I'm going to say – Yes, I think the running game will not be not having Bijan. I'll tell you, there have been, you know, 120 teams in the country every year who, who didn't have a Bijan, right? And, and a lot of them have done very, very well, right? Alabama had a really good running back. He wasn't a Bijan. Um, you know, uh, you, you look at the teams that were in the, the, the playoff last year, none of them had a Bijan. Like, it, you you can have a really good team without a a you know, a guy who can walk into the NFL and be a top 20 running back, top 15 running back day one. Um, it will be different. I, I think Jonathan Brooks can be, and we'll talk about the running backs. I don't want to get too much into it, but can be a workhorse. I think Keelan Robinson still can be one of the five fastest players in the big 12. You get him, you know, around the corner. I, I, I very much think that one of those guys will break out down the depth chart with the talent that's there, blue or Baxter or whoever. And so, I think there's going to be enough that will that will you know keep teams honest. But honestly, I'm more excited about keeping them honest with five different receiving options, right? I'm more excited with Jatavian Sanders saying, "Hey, I'm wide open at eight yards. I'll turn it into 14. Sure, great. Um, you know, we, we get another year of Jordan Whittington underneath. And, I, and and again, I we'll do all these previews in a bit more depth. But 
I think Quinn Ewers can do it because I do think he will buy into the system. And I do think this year he will rely on the talent that's there. I do think Xavier Worthy has something to prove. And I think he and Ewers are going to be on the same page because they're going to let Xavier Worthy do what he does best, which is run the entire route tree. Um, I think there's a lot of things that I'm, I'm banking on that, that you and I sat here and saw. And of course, the, the much more handsomely paid, I won't say more handsome, more handsomely paid uh, coaching staff of the University <laughs> of Texas certainly saw those same things. And you have to, you have to know what you have um, and you have to be just drilling into his brain. Just use what you have, take the shots when they're there, when it's not, you know, be the best Mac Jones, right? Like, I almost think that's the theme, right? <laughs> be, be that guy, just be cool. You want it to be more Texas? Be Colt McCoy 70% of the time. Be so efficient, so, you know, pinpoint at 10 to 14 yards. Like, be that quarterback, and then go be the guy who can throw at 60 yards. Yeah, and I think I'm with you there, and obviously you and I have have been accused of or called, you know, sunshine pumpers or whatever. But I really think, mm-hmm. like, and I, I'm more, I think my prediction is more pragmatic than that. It is a contract year for so many guys. It is a contract year for Xavier Worthy. It is a contract year for for A.D. Mitchell. It's a contract year for J.T. Sanders, right? It's a contract year for Quinn Ewers. And I think these are guys that all, like nobody's going to be shy about this, that all don't want to be at Texas next year because they're in the NFL. Those are all guys that, you know, they would be happy. And we would be happy to see them not at Texas. Obviously, we'd love to have mm-hmm. them back in Burn Orange next year. But it would also be great to have, you know, a first-round wide receiver, a couple of first-round wide receivers, a <laughs> top tight end on the board, the you know, a quarterback that's taken, you know, third third at the position, right? Those are all positive things for Texas as well, especially with the way that Texas has been stocking the cupboard. And so I think pragmatically, there are so many guys on this offense, specifically in the passing game, that know that this is their contract year, that if they can get it done this year, if Quinn can play the offense and play the system and connect with the receivers in a way that he didn't do last year, if Xavier Worthy can and rebound from the sophomore slump we saw him have and really um and, and he'll be benefit from being able to play his more natural role in the offense again we'll talk about that in a couple weeks but ad mitchell wants to go to the, he's got a daughter now to think about that he wants to get to the league for right these are all guys that don't want to be in austin next year and i don't fault them for that at all <laughs> so i think for that like pragmatic reason i think as much as coming together for a common goal of winning a big 12 championship and going to the college football playoff and all those things are there's also the common goal of let's go get paid fellas like that that is there as well and i'm not afraid to say that that's a motivator for a lot of guys and it should be right if texas is the program it, it, that we want to be right like what is alabama's greatest recruiting pitch it's hey come here you can play early because we're going to graduate the guy in front of you he's going to go get drafted and great in three years pitch. that'll be you correct it's a, it's a wonderful recruiting pitch right like if texas we've always said if texas can get the the football part of it rolling they've got everything else the you know the off the field stuff the nil programs the i mean everything else is there it will recruit themselves and become a self-sustaining machine um it just you have to have the success and they have not and we all are aware of that uh but does it start with quinn ewers is he the ceiling of this team if the offensive line uh, maybe the defensive line is the is the floor of this team if they set you know the how do we win with with b minus stuff is Quinn Ewers the the focal point of the spear for you, Gerald? That he is the he takes it from a you know an A to an A plus. Is it him? 
Yeah, I, I really do think that, like, specifically the guards are, for the offense, like, the will set the floor of the offense. If the guards are good, if DJ Campbell lives up to the billing, I think they set the floor of the offense. And I think if they can do that, then I think Quinn Ewers definitely determines the ceiling. And if Quinn Ewers, again, I don't, even, I don't think Quinn Ewers has to have the Heisman winning season for Texas to hit its goals this year. I just think right. te- Quinn Ewers just needs to not actively be bad like he was a couple of times last year. Um, he doesn't, he, he can actively lose games don't make the dumb throw don't throw it into the wind even though you know the wind's blowing back at you at 25 miles an hour like just this is an offensive system that is built on speed at the wide receiver position and skill at the running back position and the quarterback is kind of interchangeable and so as much as it's great to have a talent right we see what Sark's offense can do with the Jalen Hurts or a uh, Tua Tagovailoa or both of them at the same time right um, it's also we've seen what they can do with Mac Jones who he got drafted in the first round for some reason, but we're seeing the the level of talent he has isn't potentially the arm strength isn't you know what Quinn Ewers has, which is fine. So I think again the ceiling for Texas is determined at the quarterback position for uh, specifically uh, because the the Sark offense is going to score points. Are they going to be a thirty five point a game offense or are they going to be a forty five point a game offense? And that's mm. going to be on the right arm of Quinn Ewers. So uh, one more question before we before we go, we talked a lot about the the top man, but a big controversy. Not controversy, but conversation point. Um, Texas plays Rice week one, so theoretically, hopefully, um, Texas will probably trot the the starters out for the first couple of series of the third quarter and then uh, let them sit and rest and avoid injury because they're going to Tuscaloosa the next week. So when Texas beats the Owls like they probably should, one, it feels like Malik Murphy is going to be the guy there, but like, what do you want to see from Malik Murphy uh, as the backup, as the guy who's ready to fill in for Quinn? Because, you know, there's a conversation that needs to be had about Malik Murphy's future at Texas and and the ceiling that he has. This Charles Wright erasure will not stand. Um, You you know I love Chuck. (laughs) I love Chuck. Don't get me wrong. If Chuck gets over the yips, he's he's a solid quarterback who, you know, if he would have gone to Iowa State, he would be giving us fits. It's just how it works. Um, I do, too. I like Chuck. Look, Malik Murphy is the backup quarterback. We all know that, right? Arch Manning, hopefully he will redshirt. Maybe we'll see him four times uh, through the season, you know, in, in those types of situations. Um, look, I'm, I don't think Ewers is, is injury prone. I also know, you know, he played through some tremendous injuries even in high school. He's a tough, tough kid. But we saw it in Alabama that, that you know, one hit can – it's not going to happen this year. I know it for a fact. But uh, nonetheless, you have to be prepared. And I think Texas is really well prepared. I think – remember Malik Murphy was a big-time get at quarterback, a big-time get. It gets lost a little bit because Arch Manning has the Manning name and, and you know, was an unbelievable – one just over a year ago commitment Quinn Ewers you know the whole commitment then Ohio State then he's back and and he's still uh you know a perfectly rated quarterback like I get it but don't forget Malik Murphy you know was a guy not only that was a big recruit but Sark wanted Sark went out to California and picked him over some other guys that's who he wanted and you know Murphy has that big arm he you know he wins uh, the quarterback competitions because he can, you know, uh, crow hop and, and throw it 70 plus yards. Like he just has an absolute cannon, but you saw a little bit of maturation. He hasn't been healthy since high school in that spring game. And you saw big he is, right? He just looks, I mean, he's six, four, he's just a head taller than, than all the rest of the quarterback room. He's got kind of a big, long, uh, overhand throw that just looks big. And I guess that's how he throws it so far. But you saw some things in the spring game where he was making the good decisions and everyone has said it 
the entire time. People from USC, people from Alabama, people from, well, maybe not Atlanta Falcons fans, but um, that Sark's <laughs> offense takes time to understand for a quarterback. Year two in Sark's offense is always different than year one. And Murphy also, even though he wasn't the starter, is in year two of understanding the concepts. And so much like Quinn Ewers will take a year two jump, it's absolutely guaranteed. I think Murphy understanding that offense with his natural arm talent is a really good player who, when he gets his chances to shine, is going to look really, really good. Again, you have an Archman and you have a true, you know, generational uh mind pedigree um who's been coached up so much already will you know his his people just said he's going to sit for a year because they also know that sark's offense takes a while and so we'll see what happens the year after this one for for arch and how well he's taken to it but it takes time right it takes time and don't care who you are but malik murphy looking good in the spring game and i get it I've always said, so don't come after me uh, on this podcast. That the spring game is just a glorified scrimmage. It doesn't really mean anything, um, but it's nice. It's nice when guys look really good, right? It's nice um, to see. I'd much rather have the problem where a bunch of guys look good in the spring game than, than a bunch of guys don't. So Malik Murphy, what we've seen from him, great. Health looks there, right? It took him a long time to get over that um, injury he had in the state championship game in high school. Uh, it seems like he's healthy. It seems like he's he's ready. He's firing at the bit. Um, he, he's, you know, very much a, a quarterback in Sark's offense who's getting it and making plays. Sark won and Malik Murphy at Alabama. That's all I'm going to say about that. So that is the quarterback preview. We'll be back next week talking about the running backs and trying to see how Texas – Matches the production, won't say replace Abijan and Roshan at the running back position. All right, Gerald. Now let's take a look at the world through some burnt orange lenses. We'll start it off with a story that Crystal Conte is just tickled gold. I was going to say tickled pink, but tickled gold. Uh, that man knows how to how to run a profitable athletic department. The news there, of course, I'm alluding to is football season tickets sold out for the 2023 season. They set uh, records. Um, This is the second consecutive season and the third time in five years, I believe, uh, that an all-time season ticket record has been set. They eclipsed 68,000, which doesn't include student tickets, which is another 20,000. That gets you to 88,000. It's just another... 12k of us who have to show up to get it over a hundred thousand um it'll be much easier to do as we're playing sec opponents every week uh in and out but no i I, it's big news um longhorn nation showing up showing they're excited showing um you know they're they're ready to cheer on a successful team i'm gonna be really honest with you a lot of those sixty-eight thousand ticket holders are honestly putting it down for next year like let's just be really like they're locking in their spot for the first year they see which is fine um neither you or i are texas um season ticket holder rich but i think we're gonna look at like a three-game pass maybe this year we'll see um but i think it's it's again there's a level of excitement around the program that i think is always there but it feels different this year and i think um specifically we've talked about it before and i'll say it again um crystal conti's biggest win is turning saturdays into an event in austin and it wasn't previously the 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 changes that they've made giving texas a legitimate home field advantage hearing alabama players who have played in the best environments in college athletics, uh, college football, saying that Texas last year was the loudest they've ever been in. Like, that's an incredible achievement. And so much on top of, this is just emblematic of the job that Chris Del Conte has done transforming what Texas football has been uh, as far as an experience and a moment in, in, in your, your fall. Uh, and I'm just so excited to see it continue. 
Gerald, we'd like to give um, as much attention, focus, love, and energy to the to the women's sports as we do the men's on this podcast. And so this is something that, that I've been excited about. I think we get up for the Honda Cup as much as any podcast out there for the uh, best players in the female sports. Basically, each uh, sport names a Honda Player of the Year, uh, and then across the sports Basically, they compete uh, for the Honda Cup, which goes to the best female athlete across all the best female athletes. So Logan Eggleston was uh, at awards ceremony uh, this uh, past week and was named in the finalist group of those best of the best in the final three. She ultimately ended up falling uh, as runner-up and not the, uh, the the winner in this one, which went to Iowa's uh, Caitlin Clark. But nonetheless, a tremendous honor for a player who one of one of the favorites in the whole time we've been doing this podcast, Logan Eggleston from Texas Volleyball. Um, absolutely deserve it. I mean, you, I, I'm running out of words to talk about Logan Eggleston. Like, it's hard not to be frustrated that you didn't win this, but, like, also Caitlin Clark is Caitlin Clark, right? And Rojang is Rojang. So, like, her being up there with them. Like, Rojang is a player who won a like a collegiate championship and then went out and put what the lowest women's uh, round of the year up like the same like the next week so like the and Caitlin Clark you all you mean we she's part of the reason why we watched uh, the women's NCAA tournament this year so like that's the company that she keeps and you can always tell the quality of a person by their peers and those are her peers much respect to all those women um, speaking of uh, one woman and one man who are getting some respect Julian Alfred and our guy the Nuge Leo Nugenbauer both named Bowerman finalists they're not competing against each other this is a men's award and a women's award we know all about Julian Alfred we've sung her praises uh, routinely um, but she did since we recorded last sweep the US TFCCC a women's track at final C. Uh, I was told by friends of the podcast that I, I, I dropped a C one time, so I am I am vigilant with my C's. Um, but she swept the outdoor after winning the indoor track athlete of the year, which would tell you if you sweep both of those, you a good chance. We shall see uh, where she see see. We shall see a lot of C's flying around um, <laughs> when the Bowerman awards come out, but it's down to the final three. No surprise on the women's side. Also Flo was named the women's coach of the year in those same awards. Um, Honestly, many-time finals, can't believe he's a first-time winner, but deservedly so for him. And then on the men's side, our guy Nuge, Gerald, how huge is is, is Nuge uh, making the finalists for the Bowerman? I think it just celebrates a year that I think he has been building toward. We, he's been like the he's been a bridesmaid a lot, so him finally kind of in his swan song almost like getting this is just fitting for a career that I think has flown under the radar in a lot of ways that I think shouldn't have. I think he's you know been one of the best, if not the best, um, outdoor track and field athletes at Texas for the last you know, for his entire career. So I'm just glad to see him getting this type of recognition. Yeah, the six-time All-American is the first Longhorn to be named one of the finalists for the Bowerman on the men's side. Um, He's... He's tremendous. He will be a favorite to win, you know, what I think is the most athletic uh, athletic event in uh, the heptathlon in the Olympics for, for Team Germany there. So, Gerald, the question now is, you retire a jersey for a football player. What do you retire for a player? Because Texas's standard under Del Conte is if a player wins a National Player of the Year award, they can retire their signifier. What do you retire for a track and field athlete? 
This has been one that I, you know, I wrote this question and I've been stewing on it for quite some time. The bib is the obvious answer, right? Retire mm. the bib. Um, do you retire the spikes? Is there a, is there like a headband? Uh, I, I don't know what it might be. Um, I think the bib is probably the the most the most uniform choice that you could go pun intended uh, for that across the the men's and, and women's sides. I'm a child of a certain era, and so I think of Michael Johnson's golden spikes as the most iconic track thing. I think yeah. it's the spikes for me. It's the spikes. Got to bronze them, dip them in bronze, keep them around. I like it. Speaking of keeping him around, super senior Brian Stark, we mentioned before that he's coming back. Um, but he's been doing some uh, some golfing in the, the post-collegiate season time, uh, as well as rising sophomore Tommy Morrison, um, big Tommy. Uh, they each recorded impressive showings at some of the premier amateur championship events last week. Stark was fourth, uh, tied for fourth in the 61st Northeast Amateur Invitational. Tommy Morrison advanced to the round of 16 in the uh, very prestigious, one of the most prestigious um, amateur uh, events, the British Amateur Championship uh, gets to playoffs. Uh, I think he was like top 15 in stroke play, made it to the playoffs, had a really dramatic win to get to the round of 16, and then it had to go to extra to 19 holes uh, there where he fell ultimately in the round of 16. But uh, a great sign because you're playing at that point. I think he, he lost to the uh, Estonian uh, amateur national champion. You're playing the best in the world at that event. So um, a great sign for Tommy Morrison and Brian Stark to bring some momentum back with them for next golf season. They need it, right? This is... Texas is Country Club U, if nothing else. I think getting the golf team back atop uh, needs to be a top priority, especially if Texas wants to win the Directors' Cup again and get, kind of uh, avoid the the two year losing streak. Um, golf is going to have to play a big part in it. So get back, bring it back, keep that momentum going. A speaking of keeping the momentum going. Um Texas volleyball, we mentioned Eggleston is gone, but they are looking to defend their national championship. So you got to bring in, bring in more brains, and so it seems they have done that with Kirsty Larue, who uh, herself was uh, quite the the player from 2012 to 17, was a part of the U.S. women's national team. Played in Europe, ended up working for Athletes Unlimited, and then the past few years has gotten into the coaching sphere. And she will be joining Elliot's staff uh, as an assistant, and they just keep loading up with former great players um, and and coaches who've coached at the national level uh, as well as she has. So um, I'm never upset about players who themselves were All-Americans, and then I think at UNLV she coached uh, a two-time All-American when she was a coach there. So uh, love to see it. Texas is becoming a regal maker, a, a, I don't know how to, I don't know the right word, but it's becoming the, the place to come as a coach if you want to be made. And I think volleyball is really leading that charge. You know, she was an assistant for the, the USU 19 national team. And I think, you know, I, I would be shocked if uh, Coach LaRue's goal was not to have her own program one day. And so uh, coming to learn under Jared Elliott, who's been one of the most consistent, uh, both from a just tenure and production standpoint, not a bad way to do it. So again, Texas uh, becoming a stepping stone in the good way. And, and again, volleyball. Volleyball is really leading that charge. Another uh, program that's representing uh, the national level, Viviana Martinez selected as one of 16 players to represent Team USA in the 2023 Japan All-Star Series, becomes the seventh different Longhorn to represent USA softball. And if you count each time Kat Osterman did it, I think it jumps up to <laughs> 77. Um <laughs> With the bat and ball sports, David Hamilton called up for the Red Sox, already seeming to excel. Have you seen 
him on the base pass being an absolute terror? Well, he came in as a pitch runner and like stole a base like immediately, right? Like that was um, stole second and I think advanced on like a pass ball or something like that. Like yep. it was just absolutely yep. incredible. It's clear that MLB pitchers, he's already in their head. Stealing the immediate first appearance, stealing second, then later uh, stealing second, going for the pickoff and them throwing it to the outfield and you scoring from second. That's a game changer uh, just with his speed. We, uh, we know uh, as long as there's no scooters inside the Red Sox uh, facility that he'll continue to, uh, to be a terror on those base paths. And keeping it baseball here, um, this is my favorite part of this story. Uh, I will say the second part of it first. Ivan Melendez hit for the cycle. The, the sentence, as I wrote it in the notes, is after a stat correction, <laughs> Ivan Melendez hit for the cycle. The man got robbed with a, a double that they called a double plus error. They went back and rightfully changed it to a triple, which made him the first uh, hop, I believe. The What are they? The, the hops and hops um, <laughs> to cycle at home in, in franchise history. The home runs part is easy. The triple is, is bigger for Melendez. Don't take that from him with your, with your uh, litigation and legislation. Jerks. Always trying to keep a man down. The NBA draft, the the Central Texas region absolutely excelled. Um, obviously, the San Antonio Spurs dominated the draft by taking our guy, Victor Wembanyama, who obviously will be playing in Austin with the Austin Spurs. Those tickets will be tough to come by. Probably will pop in and, and hang out with Longhorns. I just, he's going to be an honorary Longhorn. But one player who I hope he will soon be playing with, uh, Serge Barry Rice signed a two way contract with those same San Antonio Spurs, which is pretty exciting because he'll be in Austin or San Antonio. So he's staying, uh, again, at least on the the I-35 corridor, uh, Central Texas staying home. I'm excited for him. Uh, All in all, I think pretty good uh, outing. We didn't expect necessarily any of the guys to get drafted. There were a lot of really tremendous college players who could carve out a spot in the NBA, but it's, it's, you know, that wasn't what we expected necessarily from this team that had this great run last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Marcus Carr and and Timmy Allen both ending up with uh, training camp deals for the Suns and the Grizzlies, respectively. Um, I mean, I think these are guys that have a chance to, you know, play in the play in the the G League for a little bit. So uh, I, I'm interested to see how their careers play out. I love to see them. Um, I do have to call out that we have to refer to to Victor Webinyama as that basketball Frenchman to honor my dad moving forward. I don't know if you if you don't follow me on Twitter. My dad, the day before the draft, literally just texted me. Full time San Antonio resident, uh, part time basketball watcher, texted me, "Who is this basketball Frenchman?" And it's just the, the most perfect thing I've ever I've ever received via text message. Even if listeners don't know your dad, that's a great dad text. But if, man, if you know, if you know Gerald's dad, that's just, it's so perfect. All right. Besides Gerald (laughs) Sr. in a nutshell. Yeah. The, yes, yes. Uh, All your best traits came from, uh, I won't (laughs) say that because your mom is pretty wonderful as well, but uh, he he gave a lot of good ones. Um, Gerald, besides watching your, uh, your dad be hilarious looking at the TV, um, what else have you been watching on your giant screen? Let's take it home with Godzilla Tron. Yeah, so the big watch for us, my wife and I, we're not like the big bingers. We're not going to be the ones to sit normally and plow through a TV show in a weekend, um, even if they drop the whole thing. But we did that. uh, And I do not regret it for a second with the 10 episodes of The Bear. Um, If you're not familiar with The Bear, I don't know what you've been doing with your life, but The Bear is on uh, Hulu. 
And it's about a chef, a, a renowned chef, who uh, steps in and takes over his brother's restaurant after his brother sadly uh, commits suicide. That's season one. Season two just dropped. Um, and I I don't know how to say this other than, like, I didn't think you could outdo season one of The Bear in a lot of ways, whether it's just the quality of acting, the quality of storytelling, uh, finding a way to give everybody a moment in an ensemble cast, and, like, even creating, like, tension. Like, there was the, um, anybody that's watched season one knows the, uh, the mobile order or the online order episode and how tense that was um they outdid that with episode six uh this year and i just by the way episode six snuck up on me it was an hour instead of 30 minutes was not expecting that so ah. just be forewarned episode episode six is an hour they sneak it in you like the the guest stars for episode six i'm not going to spoil it because that's part of the experience but like incredible um I think they outdid season one, and it took a lot for me to say that, And, and but my wife and I binged through it. I think it's an incredible... I think it's probably one of the most... Uh, I will say it's the best TV show. It's probably one of the best TV shows, but I think um, from a consistency standpoint, episode to episode, like, they are 20 episodes in, and I haven't been like, oh, that's the bad one yet. Like, I haven't seen that mm. yet. Like, 20 episodes deep, I don't know if I've seen a bad episode of The Bear. I, I haven't started yet. It's... It, we, wife and I both interested. I just... Um I was a little worried, and, and I haven't read any reviews or anything, but this first season was so good, but it came out of nowhere, and it was, you know, sometimes how do you live up to the, the hype um, when, you know, now everyone's expecting you to, so I was a little worried. So your vote of confidence, Gerald, helps soothe me. I will uh, absolutely get to it soon. But a show that, that we started that I'm not particularly far into, but I'm, I'm tired of not uh, big-upping this on the podcast yet for our thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of listeners so it'll probably um push this up the 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 rankings for our guy Shea Serrano but yes you know I'm I'm talking about Primo um again I've only I think we're in the second episode I've only um started but my love for for Shay and uh his his wife Laramie who's an incredible social media presence herself and the you know the character is very closely resemble uh the two of them um as well as the rest of his primos and family um it's it's already like it's it's witty it's sharp it's well written it's got kind of that quirky sense of humor that that shay has that just slays me but um it's a feel good as well right it's it's about familia it's about um you know unconventional uh families and and kind of how they uh, the quirks, the antics, how they, they team up and come together and, and make the best out of everything. And it's just, uh, it's unique and it's a different point of view and perspective, uh, than you, you, you probably see, right? Like the non-nuclear, um, Hispanic family, uh, in this case, the dad isn't there. So all the uncles, you know, collectively five of them team up to be the, the, the father figure, but really it's the mom who's, uh, you know, the the decision maker and does everything for the family it's i i really like it it's it's um it's an easy watch it's 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 short the only thing is i think freebie only ha- you have to watch it with ads which you know i'm not about that life but if you can get past that you could support shay serrano who's you know incredible and and one of my favorite humans but writers content creators authors um social media follows etc uh but you know i watched it mainly for him but now i'm just enjoying watching it as a as a good show 
I've wanted to watch it since the moment it came out, and it's very, especially now, like, moving to San Antonio, it feels very uh, apropos for me to dive into it. My wife and I need a new show to watch. We've got a lot of laundry to fold constantly because I have three small mm-hmm. children, and that stuff mm-hmm. just multiplies. So it feels like a good, like, fold laundry and watch kind of show. And, again, I'll support Shay Serrano doing anything, right? Like, whatever he does. I bought the, the Scrubs PDF he did, and I bought the Office PDF yep. he did, and, like, all of the secret books yep. and stuff like that. Big fan of his. Dude is betting on himself, um, and I'm really excited to, to see that paying out for him. And that's all we've got for you this week, Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow us on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Come. We'll be back next week with our Kansas State preview on Tuesday and then the running backs on Thursday. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook him. Hook him. 12 win Quinn. <laughs>